0: Live from the Great White North, this is The Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. TCI Podcast, what is up? It is Braden Dennis here, joined by my co-host, as always, Simon Belanger. And today, after request upon request and Even though we've talked about this wonderful company many, many times, it deserves a full in-depth episode to the complex nature that is Brookfield Asset Management, ticker BAM.A on the TSX and just BAM on the New York Stock Exchange. It's been an incredible performer since 2010, the stock has returned 350% and it was at 500%. Uh, pre-pandemic March levels, currently at around $70 in market cap, but still down 27% from pre-pandemic highs. Now, this company is uh, not the most simple structure, so we're going to help you understand this business. So Brookfield Asset Management is the parent company of a large group of real assets, Under Brookfield Property Partners, which is publicly traded under BPY, Brookfield Renewable Partners under ticker BEP, which is their renewable energy business, and Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, ticker BIP, as well as Brookfield Business Partners, ticker BBU. And then they also have a wing that invests in public securities, uh, and we'll get into what those investments are. So, Simon, how are we doing? And then give us the lowdown on those individual subsidiaries.
1: Oh, I'm I'm doing well. And, yeah, I think it's been a long time coming for uh, BAM for Brookfield Asset Management. Um, I mean, we probably could study this business for For a full year and not fully understand it, I feel like, because there's a lot of stuff to unpack and it's just a massive business uh, altogether. Um, So before we get started, I wanted to, um, because we will refer to this term pretty often and we have talked about it when it came to uh, REITs or real estate. So um, we do talk a lot about FFO. And for the most part, when you look at any of the Brookfield, whether you look at BAM itself or any of its subsidiaries, and I'm going to struggle the whole episode with that word, I'm telling you now, Um, and FFO, so Funds from Operations, so they define it, and that's generally the way it's defined, as net income attributable to shareholders prior to the fair value changes, basically it's depreciation and amortization deferred income taxes and includes realized disposition gains that are not recorded in net income as determined under uh, regulations. So the FFO also includes a company share of equity accounted investment on a fully diluted basis. So I know it's a a bit of a mouthful. Basically what it means is um, in the funds from operation, they try to remove uh, non-cash items. Um, So it's a bit like looking at the uh, cash flow statement, but they also try to normalize it for gains, uh, for acquisitions, but also sales. Um, so, did you have any comments on that, Brad? Anything else to add for FFO?
0: No, that's a that's a very good breakdown. It is a cash metric uh, that is the holy grail, nirvana of metrics in real estate and anything that's spinning off cash, cash flow uh, being the primary. Uh, effect of their business being affected by real assets, they need to adjust for those kinds of things. So that, that is a great description.
1: Yeah. And especially for Brookfield, that a lot of their assets are actually physical assets. So it doesn't mean that, you know, even though you're, um, you know, an asset technically, an accounting principle will be depreciating. Well, it's not always the case in terms of actual value. So it's important to to just, remember about that just when you look at their financial statement because the creation kind of eats into your income but in reality it's a non-cash item and we've talked about that in a previous episode but uh,
0: yeah but before you dig into that it's important to preface that this company is their bread and butter of, of all what they do is real assets real tangible assets so it's important Uh, from an accounting perspective to understand that what you had just mentioned because this business invests in tangible real development assets in renewable energy infrastructure and real estate on a global perspective so it's just it's important to understand that
1: yeah, exactly. So we're going to start with uh, the first, well, just kind of randomly start the first one, probably my my favorite one. So uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners. Um, so really, they have five main lines of business in uh, BEP, um, solar, wind, hydro distribution, and storage. Um, they've historically been very heavily dominated in uh, hydro, but they've been div- diversifying in solar and wind. Uh, most recently, uh, solar and wind has been added because they purchase a controlling stake in Terraform Power, um, and they actually announced in March that they would purchase the rest of the uh, Terraform Power units and Terraform Power shareholder, which I am one. I'm actually a share- of Terraform and BEP. So for each share of Terraform power that I have, I'll receive 0.381 BEP units. And I know they mentioned that it should close towards the end of the year. I'm not sure if it's Q3 or Q4, but that will be realized towards the end of the year. And one of the reasons obviously that I really like BEP is because I think the long-term trends are looking towards renewable energy. Uh, even Brookfield, they do mention it in some of their uh, shareholder information that um, the, one of the reasons they're investing even more in solar is because it's making a lot more sense economically. So the cost of producing those solar panels, for example, and those wind turbines and so on has gone down tremendously in past years, whereas solar they're not as, as expensive, but they're also more efficient. Um, so That's one of the big things that uh, they're really investing heavily in. And it's one of the companies for that reason uh, that I really like, uh, regardless if you're looking at uh, Brookfield itself or the stock market in general, I think it's a really great company. They've been increasing their dividends uh, for years. I think their target is 5 to 9% per year. Um, I haven't read anything that they won't be on track for that this year. Um, and they shouldn't really be too much affected by any terms of um downturn in terms of the coronavirus they have long term contracts uh in terms of selling that energy um so that's a bit of a breakdown for for bp do you have uh, anything else to add, braden as a environmental engineer
0: yeah no th- this this business is obviously one that i understand very well um and electricity f- has tons of tailwinds as uh, the amount of power per person goes up in all developing markets and uh, emerging markets. And it was interesting to hear. I watched Bruce Flatt, the CEO on Bloomberg. He did an interview this month with them on the kind of landscape during COVID-19 with real estate and what he sees in, in renewable energy. And not only is there tailwinds and power, but in, in renewable energy, there's there's tons. And it was interesting to hear his take. I love hydro. I work in hydro. It's, it's an incredibly uh, good source of power. It's clean, it's reliable, uh, and it provides baseload. He's seeing that costs per megawatt hour of solar come down to actually be the lowest cost. Now, it does not have storage capabilities which has been its kind of downfall uh, for a long long time but from a pure generation perspective he sees tons of growth in solar and and we're seeing that on a macro trend right now Uh, not so much in canada but on a global perspective they're gonna see lots of cash go into solar and and they're seeing really good yields off those investments. So, I mean, this is, this is an incredible business and one that's going to be, uh, you know, have lots of secular trend growth behind it for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, and those companies too, and this will apply for most of the uh, Brookfield uh, subsidiaries, uh, whether we're looking at BEP, BIP as well, uh, to some extent BPY, but uh, you'll notice if you guys look at their balance sheet, there's a lot of debt on the balance sheet, but it doesn't worry me as much as other companies. For example, the oil sector, like we talked last week, where they're really dependent on a bunch of different factors in terms of their cost, but also their revenue. Uh, Whereas BEP, in this, uh, the one we're talking about right now is they their revenue or funds from operation. Um, they tend to remain pretty stable. I know the uh, water levels tend to affect a bit the production from hydro itself, but overall they tend to be very uh, very stable in terms of cash flows.
0: Yeah, totally. And and think about as we transition from regular combustible engine cars to EVs, although that adoption is taking a long time. Electricity is going to be growing in demand over time. And the amount of contracts that are going to be needed from the Brookfield Renewable Partners of the World is is going to be strong moving forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll move on to uh, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Um, so this uh, the ticker is BIP. Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, uh, similarly to, uh, I guess, BEP. They invest. I mean, actually, I have a question for you, Braden. It's kind of funny. We say like there's BEP, but then Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. But it's funny because it's to me, it's still to some degree, infrastructure, even if you look at BEP, right? Am I wrong in that?
0: No, it, it's it's they're both still core infrastructure projects. Um, but BEP focuses on the actual power generation assets. Uh, infrastructure can mean a whole whack of things, including the distribution of energy. And the, you're seeing acquisitions like the distribution of energy happen in in Saudi Arabia. I believe they just bought a bunch of assets there. And that would be also energy. I mean, it's gas pipelines, but it's still in a similar space. They do all kinds of core infrastructure developments all over the world. And what is really interesting about BIP is the amount of room for growth, the runway for growth in their more developing nations like India. They have a head office there in Mumbai, and they're seeing really, really nice growth from being the ones to to build some of that core infrastructure.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I was just kind of mentioning that because it is true. It It is kind of inf- infrastructure to some level. Uh, but BIP, you're totally right. Uh, so they have railways, they have uh, data centers, they have uh, lab- liquid natural gas distribution centers, um, they have infrastructure uh, toll roads as well um so they have infrastructure all around the world and again they for the most part it's fee bearing infrastructure so they do receive some very constant cash flows from that so it goes to say the same thing as bp as you'll notice Vip has a lot of debt as well, but it's not something I would worry about just because it's very stable in terms of company. And they're looking to increase their funds from operation at about a rate of 6 to 9% every year. And the same thing when it comes to their dividend. Hopefully, they'll be able to achieve that this year with all the uncertainty. But I really don't have a reason to believe that they, they won't be able to achieve that. And it's really... I mean, this to me, it's one of my bigger holdings. Same thing for BEP. And, you know, these are companies that you can really set and forget. Uh, they're great for your TFSA or an RSP. It gets a little more complex, and I think that's something we should mention. Um, be careful in having those businesses in uh not in taxable accounts. Um. So if you don't have a registered account like a TFSA or RSP, for example, um, the structure because it's a limited partnership, um, can get very complicated when you're making your ta- doing your taxes. So make sure you do your due diligence when it comes to that. But you should be fine when it comes to having in a TFSA or RSP.
0: Yeah, g- very good point to mention that. So lastly, is Is, in my opinion, why you're seeing volatility and it drop off so much from March highs is the real estate business, which is primarily invested in office and retail. Obviously, two sectors that are not loved by the market nor either of us do you want to just talk a little bit about that business
1: yeah so uh, bpy so brookfield property partners so this is a um, one of my well one of my former holdings that i sold maybe a month ago if i remember correctly um the main reason not that i don't trust brookfield i think it's a really well-managed business they're really good at finding undervalued opportunities and purchasing them and then f- when they've achieved full value, what they'll do is they'll sell them and then reinvest that money in uh, what they find being good value. So whether we're looking at uh, Brookfield Property pa- Partners, uh, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, Brookfield Renewable Partners, they have a similar strategy. So I really don't have a reason to question Brookfield as a whole, but... Um, I'm not a fan of some of the assets that they have in the current climate. So don't get me wrong. They're very, for the most part, really high quality assets, but they tend to be focused in two sectors that have been very hard right now in real estate. So we have commercial real estate, but we also have um, uh my God, retail, real retail. Well, I don't know why I'm having, so, you, yeah, no, why I'm having so much uh, trouble with uh, remembering that one. It's an obvious one, too. Um, but yeah, so one of their big things is they have high quality properties in those two sectors, but those two sectors have been struggling even more. So I would say retail. Uh, there's been a lot of government subsidies. I've talked about that in the last few episodes that were given to businesses in order to make their rent. Um, so, I'm not sure where this is going long term. And I do have some doubts that it will. I think they're being a bit too optimistic when it comes to BPY. That's my own personal opinion. And I could completely be completely wrong about that. I think it's trading about $15 a share right now. And maybe, you know, it'll go through the roof within a few years. Um, I really don't know. But there's a lot of challenges in. Uh, especially retail, I would say Um, the future of retail. I really don't know what it's going to look like. And uh, there's been a lot of bankruptcies in retail. There's been some recent one that happened. I think right now we're on track this year to um, we're actually over the bankruptcy level in retail businesses in the US and Canada than we had all of last year. So and that's even with the government subsidies. So it could get a lot worse in those sectors. And one of the things that they've done that I'm not a fan of, but I do understand why they're doing it, is they've actually purchased some retail businesses um, to basically keep the tenant within their uh, their property. So they've partnered up with uh, Simon Property Group on that.
0: You... Bring up a good point because as much as I think Bruce Flatt is an incredible manager, uh, the CEO, and has had the secret sauce for years now, Brookfield buying distressed assets, as they are true value investors of real assets at heart, after listening to some of the things he's had to say and, and reading his reports, I worry that he is slightly too optimistic on uh, the future of retail brick and mortar, and the future of offices now he he talks a lot a bit about as humans being very social beings and that a zoom call you can never really truly meet someone um and, and when he and, and when he when I say that I mean in business in the office and i do I do truly agree with him on that. I do however think he's being slightly optimistic with uh the real estate business. Now, what I will say is as value investors ourselves, I look at the entire Brookfield empire. And if that's dragging the stock down is the real estate sector, which will be fine long term, but has some, some, uh, some headwinds in front of it it looks super attractive from that valuation. So if the market can keep hating real estate and I can keep buying BAM, I am a happy investor.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean... BAM as a whole, and like you said it uh, when we just started, so it's been dragged down by the most part by BPY. So if you guys, I mean, you you don't have to go much into detail for that. Just look at the chart for the past year of BEP, BIP, BPY, ban, And I think the business partners um, uh, have not performed all that well either, but uh, you'll see the difference between all of them. And you'll notice that, like Brayden said, uh, the property partners um, is really the one that's been dragging down on uh, on BAM. Um, so anything else on uh, BPY or we'll uh, go over to which one do you want to do next, Brayden?
0: I'm just going to give a little bit of a lowdown on the asset management business, which is I get questions all the time and we're going to shift to this as a question for later in the show but do you go ahead and own the subsidiaries which are publicly traded that we've been talking about or do you just own BAM Um, and my answer to that has been not only for simplicity's sake uh, just own BAM but also one of the best parts of their business is The fact that they have $290 plus of fee-bearing capital that they're collecting fees on for managing um, for investors who are looking for alternative assets. And this is among all of the awesome parts of their business like renewable energy and infrastructure globally. This is a business that has tons of runway for growth. Um, So... Again, they operate in thirty countries. They have over one hundred and fifty thousand employees, which is really, really impressive. Uh, over the last year, they raised forty-five billion of capital across the business, forty billion in uh, in capital of high-quality investments globally, and they've realized twelve billion in sales of of net uh, net sales of assets. So, it's been an incredible compounder, growing uh, revenue at. Twenty percent compounded annual growth rate and free cash of almost twenty-five percent a year over the last ten years. So it has been performing very well. Dividends growing very quickly and and with a very safe payout ratio. And it's just a good place to be. So the asset management business is really interesting because Brookfield projects massive appetite growth for real assets across the world uh, which has been a trend for over 20 years Um, and so this is what's really interesting right is bond yields go to zero investors are looking for fixed income or alternative assets where do they go they're not going to go for bonds bond yields are crap so where do they go they go to alternative assets that are going to give them yield and that's exactly what Brookfield operates on. So not only is that good for their subsidiaries, but it's also good for investors who are looking to grow uh, money and, and get a yield on these types of investments. And Brookfield can supply that with the asset management businesses, uh, with the asset management business, which is growing very fast. So they spin off obscene amounts of cash. Low interest rates is good for pretty much every part of the business, like literally every part of the business, including the asset management business. Um, And they've been really, really disciplined value investors. So when we talked about Bruce Flatt maybe being a little optimistic about the return of commercial real estate, maybe maybe Simon and I are dead wrong on that maybe he's completely right i mean his track record speaks for itself um and and he has data beyond what we're seeing i mean he's not going to go out and say yeah things look really bad for our real estate business but he he mentioned some figures that you know do provide some positive sentiment moving out of a lockdown so i'm sure that they're seeing all kinds of good deals on safe Assets that are going to provide yield for them. So I, I get that. They have offices in Toronto, New York, uh, Brazil, London, Dubai, Mumbai, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Sydney. So their footprint globally to to be able to see deals that other people are not seeing, and the amount of liquidity that they can inject is really really high compared to anyone else so they're able to do deals that and see deals that no one else is really looking for and and that's been kind of a lot of their secret sauce they've had some really really successful spin-offs that no one would have ever even thought of so it, it comes down to a really smart management team um and very very disciplined and and very um uh, they look for deals that no one really even really wants to touch. Like we're talking about something that closed like right at the beginning of the pandemic of hotels. Again, not something that the market likes right now. However, it has worked for them. So we'll see what happens in, in the future. Uh, 10 years ago, they generated $1.4 billion in free cash. And in 2019, they did 6.3. Uh, that is very, very good, uh, growth. And without missing a beat, that ticks up about 20% a year. So they have hit on all of their metrics that they've promised. And they, they see a very, very bright future with yields on bonds and interest rates being so low. These are positives for this business. So I pulled Reddit, um, the other day and i said which tsx stock would you own for the next 10 years and perhaps this is biased because i prefaced the post i said okay i'll go first i'll take bam um then bam became a very clear winner <laughs> in that post all lots of cn rail things that i'd own for the next 10 years so lots of safe stuff but there is global uh, there is Canadian consensus that this stock is really, really cheap right now and it, it was even more cheap down 40 percent when the pandemic started. So I'm still seeing a really, really good deal on this stock, and I think anyone entering now is going to see really, really nice returns in the future. So I guess as this is a question for you, Simon, you own the the subsidiaries publicly traded separately do you own bam because i personally just own bam for simplicity and i believe that the asset management business with 290 billion in free fee bearing capital is one of the better parts of the business so i'm interested to hear your take on on what people can do if they should own the subsidiaries and bam if they should just own bam or own them on their own i mean do you have options here
1: yeah. Um, yeah. So I own only BEP and BIP. Uh, the reason, I mean, my reason is pretty simple why I own them. Um, the main reason is that I wanted to have more pure plays into infrastructure and renewable energy. And I wanted to... I had a little bit of BPY before that, but it was a very small portion compared to BIP and BP. Um, and now, obviously, I don't really want too much exposure to that for the reasons of we have explained earlier. Um, I do agree with you with the asset management portion. That's very attractive. Um, I'm not a big fan of their business services either, um, just some of the it's not a bad uh, subsidiaries in itself but um so just to give you guys an example of the type of businesses that they own so they own uh, genworth canada they own healthcare in terms of healthcare providers in australia and new zealand as well um they own construction services they own also royal well, I'll say it in French, Royal LePage or Royal LePage. Um, so they own a bunch of different businesses. So those are a little less stable um, than the BIP and BEP, in my opinion. Um, so that's the main reason why I selected those two is just I wanted some more pure plays into infrastructure and uh, renewable energy. But anyone looking for, like Braden said, for something easy to do and just you know what, I just want something easy, I can just put it in one business, I don't have to worry about the rest, then BAM is probably your right choice. If you're looking to have just, you know, a pure play into renewable energy, um, infrastructure, um, real estate, then you might want to look at the uh, subsidiaries. Um, So that would probably be my take on that.
0: Yeah, and and if I was to own the subsidiaries on their own, I would own the two that you own as well. So we're completely aligned on that. I think the bull case for those two subsidiaries, BIP and BEP, are the strongest. Uh, and they also pay some really nice growing dividends as well. Uh, what's the yield on BIP these days, north of 6%? Uh,
1: no, it went down. So I think it's around uh, 4 four fifty. Uh, sorry, okay. uh, four and a half percent, and they actually had a special dividend uh like three months ago. So if you guys see the dividend kind of being skewed a little bit, is because they spun off the BIP uh, limited partnership to a BIP corporation. Uh, so the reason that they actually did that was to attract um, institutional investors, but also people that have these and funds that have them for taxable accounts, because like I mentioned earlier it gets quite complex, especially in the U.S. uh, when you do your taxes, if you have them in taxable accounts. So what they did is they gave you a certain amount of shares for each share of uh, BIP that you have into the BIP corporation. BIPC is the ticker on the U.S. and BIPC.to. But that because you got all those shares, it's basically calculated as uh, kind of a special dividend if you'd like. So you got your regular dividend as well and you had a uh, kind of new share. So I got, I think like 15 new shares of uh, BIPC one day. They, they did that.
0: They're always doing really complex financial moves. And the other day, bam, I think it was in April, uh, I checked my Questrade account and BAM was trading at 40 bucks, And it was at 90 you know, pre-pandemic. I was like, whoa, what's going on? Not only was it down, but they actually did a three for two reverse split. Um, (laughs) It's just like, why do you need to do that? I don't know. Uh, But they're always doing interesting stuff. And even researching the company, Uh, I I don't know if it's on purpose. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say it's not. But it is really difficult to understand the business from their investor relations page and deep dives into even annual reports, presentations, quarterly reports. They almost pride themselves in being this complex black box. Uh, And I don't know if that's intentional, but uh, it sure is one of the most complicated structures. And before, it used to all be Brookfield. And then a couple of years ago, they split off into a bunch of different units, um, and then obviously the subsidiaries being publicly listed, BAM's gonna own this controlling stake percentage of each of each one. It all seems a bit outrageous, to be quite frank, uh, but they're seeing an optimization somewhere, and management's been so smart that I I, I trust it and I back it, and this is like this is canada berkshire hathaway it, it it has to be the berkshire hathaway of canada it it is yeah it's it's berkshire hathaway of canada and it's like owning berkshire where if someone says i only own one stock and it's brookfield asset management i would say oh your portfolio is diversified more than anyone who owns 10 individual companies like it is instant diversification and uh, real assets. So if you're looking also for diversification from just equities, although BAM is an equity, uh, what they're actually owning and buying is real assets that provide value on a global scale. And they pride themselves on, on ESG as well, on you know the renewable business. And Providing core infrastructure for developing nations is not only good returns for them, but is providing real value for, for you know, all of the world as they operate in, in so many countries. So, if someone asks me, Braden, what is the one company I, I just opened a trading account? What is the one company I, I should own? And I will say, if you're patient and you want to hold something for a long time, Start with BAM.
1: Oh, not GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Saturday, I know it's been York. a while. I,
0: I, we haven't talked about GameStop recently. That's that's a that's a good little snipe there. <laughs> Yeah, GameStop. I wonder what it's trading for. Hopefully zero. Um I, think, I still think they're alive. <laughs> oh my live. god. But
1: I mean, uh, the one that we actually forgot to talk about is uh, the last one. So Oak Tree Capital.
0: Oak Tree, yeah. that's right. So good, good catch.
1: Uh Oak Tree Capital. So Brookfield actually uh, took a controlling stake in Oak Tree Capital in 2019. Uh I mean, I would have liked to dive a bit more into that one. Um their website the old tree capital website wasn't working when i i tried uh, today and yesterday so um i d- they're
0: old school folks over there yeah, at tree.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, so i mean i know a little bit about old tree uh, capital so it's uh it was the um It was led by and still is by Howard Marks. Uh, Howard Marks um, has a really good book about market cycles. If you guys are interested in learning more about that, Um, I've mentioned it before. But um, he does talk as well about Oak Tree Capital in there. So that's why I know a bit more about it. Uh, So Oak Tree Capital, one of the big uh, things that they made a a lot of money with is during the uh, financial crisis in 2008-2009. So they invested in distressed asset, but more specifically uh, corporate bonds. So um, they invested uh, even in some junk bonds because they were selling for pennies on the dollars. And what our Marks and his team did over there is they assessed, okay, I mean, yes, they're selling, they're not great bonds, but they're selling so cheaply. Um, oftentimes, if I remember correctly, they were selling for like 25 cents, uh, on the dollar for these bonds when, yeah, they had a high risk of default, but probably not as high as the, uh, the price they were selling at. So that's the type of investment that old Tree Capital will do. And, uh, Obviously, getting a lot of uh, value out of those investment uh, and what we've talked about with uh, Brookfield Asset Management uh, makes a whole lot of sense that they would have uh, taken a controlling stakes uh, in them.
0: Yeah, there's really nice synergy from what they do um, and also a proven management team as well, which is very core to their business. So Brookfield here... At uh, 45 bucks, but split adjusted. I was talking about that the split they did uh, earlier in the year. Split adjusted 60 bucks. I liked it at 90. So you got to really like it at split adjusted 60. Um, and you're seeing all kinds of Canadians just talk about Brookfield being really cheap right now. Even cheaper before, obviously, it's come back a little bit. But this is just. A Great business. And if you're a Canadian, in my opinion, the core backbone of an of a equity portfolio. Do you have anything else to add on the business? I think we have uh, given Brookfield our, our, uh, our two cents.
1: Uh no, I I mean, I think whatever approach you take if you're interested in investing in Brookfield whether you invest in BAM or any of the uh, other subsidiaries that we talked about, um I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Um like I said, if you want more pure play into something, you'll might you'll probably want to do like I did. Uh if you're a retiree, you'll probably want to invest more in the BIP or BEP just to collect that sweet dividend. Uh, But aside from that, if you want a really easy approach like Brayden just said, I don't think you can go wrong with uh, just owning BAM itself.
0: Keep it simple, my man. Simple is profitable. Uh, I swear by that. All right, folks, as always, GetStockMarket.com. Thank you so much for the outrageous support Uh, lately and and the support on stratosphere 2.0 that is launching september time frame making some really good progress on it it is going to be one-stop shop for managing your portfolio all the research it's gonna be the cleanest data source on the planet i'm still looking for a i don't have a cap on beta testers so give me an email braden b-r-a-d-e-n at stratosphereinvesting.com And let me know, shoot me an email, I'll add you to the list. We're looking at September timeframe. And then as always, GetStockMarket.com has resources there for you, redirects to my website. And uh, you can see all the things that uh, we work on. That'll do it for this week, guys. We will see you in a week's time.
1: The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simone may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to getstockmarket.com.